So hi folks, Dave here. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that we've teamed up with audible.co.uk and we're offering you a free audiobook. All you have to do is register for a one month free trial to claim your free audiobook, of which there are over 250,000 to choose from. It's a 30 day free trial. It means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel that trial period or not. Free piece of advice, if you're gonna try an audiobook, go for Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. Anyway, sign up at www.audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks. Back to the show. We've got a bonus episode for you today. Uh, we published yesterday with interviews from Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday at Web Summit. I then went and recorded three more on Thursday. So this is a little bit of a roundup with Jack before we launch into those three interviews, uh, talking very much about the role of technology. Three very different interviews to, to stay tuned and listen to. The CEO of Vivaldi, um, the co-founders of a Brazilian business that's helping tackle a particular social challenge in that country, and an interview with Chi, the Labour MP for Central Newcastle and also a member of the Shadow Cabinet. Really interesting to get a politician's view on the conference. Stay tuned for those three interviews. Myself and Jack will pick over the bones of the conference. Thanks for tuning in and have a lovely weekend. Hey Jack, how are you? Hello, babe. He's back. He's back. Did you enjoy? Did you enjoy your week? Have you had a fairly quiet week? No, it's been awful, Dave. I've been alone. I've been alone in a dark corner of the office, just looking into a mirror, thinking, "What is life without Dave?" Surrounded by a couple of hundred other people, so I yeah, don't think all anyone looking at me feel... like, "What are you doing in the corner with a mirror?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Sleep <"Steve> alone." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look. I mean, on the plus side. You might not have been in Lisbon, but you were in London, and that's that's something always to be glad about. That's a good point. Was was London brought up as a as an innovation hub or anything like that in Lisbon? Was because obviously everywhere we go, events and other stuff like that, London's always the big ticket item in regards to the location in Europe. Is, was was it spoken of at the uh, Web Summit? Um, not that I saw. I, I admittedly didn't see many of the speakers. Uh, uh, or many of the actual formal talks because I was spending a lot of time meeting people over coffees and ad hoc. But yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what I did get asked quite a few times actually was people from outside of Europe asking about the London scene and oh. and how they would go about launching in the UK. Which, given that you know we can be a little bit negative around Brexit and whatever else, the yep. fact is London remains a city that if you want to have a a tech uh, platform, uh, it's a huge market, you know. Uh, exactly. A lot of people saying, from a growth point of view, the US, the UK, and funnily enough, India was the other one that came up once or twice. Um, yeah. Are the markets that you need to be in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if you want to, if you're if you're outside of Europe and you want to come to London for a start, it's Brexit's a good thing for you, right? I guess it, it, you, you're you're going to get sort of nicer deals to come in and then come in, grow your networks, and do what you want. Perhaps, but I think I think, I think fundamentally, London is is um, it's well positioned geographically. Let's face it, to to work with a lot of other places, and yep. it's it's a very diverse environment in itself as a city. Yep. You know, yeah. Um, 
But look, I wanted to ask you something, Dave. If, go on. If, for, for all you saw at Web Summit, what did you think caught this? This would impress Jack. Jack, Jack would like this. Was there any? I, I know I was probably not in your mind that much, but I, I just was there anything you like? Oh, that would make a good product of the week. Yeah, well, there was one thing, and it's 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 kind of slightly silly, but it 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 was a product. Of that, course. Yeah, uh, there was a piece of tech that uh, used AI to scan uh, your face, your image, determine yeah. what mood you were in, and then mix you a cocktail to match your mood. Oh my god. So I would just, I mean, I think, to be honest, I mean, my favourite cocktail is porn star martini. And I think what mood would, mood, what, hang on, what mood would you have to be in for it to mix you a porn star martini? This is my point. Any mood, any facial expression I, I convey does, you know, deep down mean I do want a porn star martini. So I question whether the AI is that smart there. I, no, fair enough. That sounds amazing. I unfortunately think that... That that would give people the impression that you're not the kind of person that they'd want want, want to necessarily meet. Certainly not in a dark <laughs> corner of the office. <laughs> Just drinking porn star martinis on my own with a face that conveys that thought. Um, yeah. Anyway, look, we obviously pushed out um, a whole load of interviews that were recorded across Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yesterday, but we've mm. got three more interviews that were recorded on the Thursday to share. Uh, one of whom is with a member of the uh, of the uh, shadow cabinet. Yo. Yeah. Um, so that's Chi, who's the MP for Central Newcastle. So that's interesting. Uh, uh, I bet you're happy about that. Oh, absolutely. Newcastle. Absolutely. One is um, with uh, the CEO of a web browser called Vivaldi. Um, and you might question nice. why we need another browser, but it's worth listening to from that point of view. And one with um, a Brazilian business, right, uh, giving access to, to, to love hotels. Do you know much about love hotels? I don't. Tell me. Tell me about love hotels. Well, on the surface of it, uh, as a naive Brit, uh, you kind of get told that they're these hotels that you can rent by the hour. And you immediately right. think, oh, that sounds quite seedy. Yeah. But uh, as they explain, um, love hotels are massively popular in primarily Japan, but also Brazil for, for, for different but similar reasons. In right. Japan, there's, you know, megatropolis style cities of yep. kind of 80 million people. And space is at such a premium that if you're a young courting couple, you have nowhere to go to be intimate, even just to have a conversation away from necessarily prying eyes and ears. Uh, Snap. And, yeah, let's of course. Face it, you, I mean, in, you in need such densely populated areas, it might be nice to just jump into a bedroom for twenty minutes or an hour. Well, just to just to spend some time, quality time together, right? Yeah. And, and in Brazil, uh, for slightly different reasons, obviously it's overcrowded, but equally because maybe they're from impoverished backgrounds, you often don't live uh, separate from your family until well after you're actually married. So. A lot of the stuff that we yeah. take for granted in terms of when, when you're kind of like 18 and you've got your own space uh, and you can kind of uh, explore that aspect of relationships and, and, and getting to know each other, they just don't have the space to do that in a way that we would take for granted and really isn't seedy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's better than what... Some, some me and my friends used to do as teenagers to, to go and have intimate moments. I'll tell you that. I don't want to know. It might get us back to no. porn star martinis. Um, <laughs> but, the, but 
what I love about that actually is that I, I initially got a note saying, would you like to talk to this business? And I ignorantly was like, oh, really? Do I want to talk about that on the podcast? But that's the whole point about going to something like Web Summit is to meet people that expand your horizons and get you to think about things yeah. outside of your normal conven- convention and way, of, and way of thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it, it's all about disruption, isn't it? It's not just tech or anything like that. It's, you know, and I love hotels. That sounds like it's going to disrupt that kind of market, which, you know, I know we are big fans of disruption as are our listeners. Well, look, there's three three interviews to listen to. They flow from one another back to back. Um, main theme here again, Sir Tim Berners-Lee uh, talking about um, the internet being uh, something that we should all contract to, to to make sure it's a positive force. Chi as well talks about uh, how tech needs to be something that's a positive um, yeah. uh, facilitator in, in terms of change for society. Uh, so there's definitely that element. And, and as a last comment from us before we switch over to the interviews and say goodbye to Web Summit for another year, would be that was the overarching theme. Um, last year, I got the sense that we were terribly impressed by blockchain and AI at, at Web Summit. Mm-hmm. And it was very inward looking and quite self-congratulatory. Well, you can tell I've had a, a fairly tiring week. I can hardly speak. Oh, um, <laughs> I want to any sympathy. I've had a tired week. And he says to me a week ago, Jack, all, all, all the proper meetings are done at one in the morning. You don't get any sympathy from me. Anyway, uh, but what was really positive about the, the sector this year was I got the sense that people have woken up to the fact that tech is very much part of modern life. And therefore, yep. as a sector, we have to accept the responsibility that it has to be done in a way that is caring and outward looking and aware of the impact that it has on people. Massively, yeah, I I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, so look, that's the thoughts from Web Summit. Here's the last three mini interviews that we recorded. We've got loads of longer interviews to share over the next few weeks that'll be part of our normal show. But um, Jack, sorry sorry you were stuck in London. It was wonderful, I'm not gonna lie. It's no problem, Dave, it's no problem. Look, let's just just say I might be there next year, hey? Absolutely. So I'm sitting with John. You're the co-founder and CEO of Vivaldi. It's Thursday of Web Summit. First of all, how long have you been here? I came Monday. Yeah, have you enjoyed it? It's fantastic. It's really good. There's yeah. a lot of really interesting people to talk to and just a lot of things happening at one time. And it's massive. I think it is an amazing event. So this isn't me criticizing, but do you think it's almost too big? It's kind of challenging to know exactly where to spend your time when there's so much opportunity on offer. I guess in my my case, I just find a corner somewhere, yeah. <laughs> and then I just end up talking to a lot of people. Right. I mean, that, that's that's a lot of what I do. I end up talking to a lot of people about kind of anything. I think it's quite interesting to get insight from people who've been here. If someone hasn't been to Webster before and they're kind of trying to plan it to kind of work out actually what do I do with my time. Anyway, um, just very quickly, what is Vivaldi? We're a browser company. Yeah. I mean, our focus is building a browser that adapts to your needs. Yeah. And it adapts by you deciding how you want to use it. I mean, it's not that we are gathering information or anything like that because we think that's wrong. Yeah. Instead, we're just taking the input from our community, what they want to see in a browser, the features that they want, and then we put those in in a way that makes the browser really usable. So if you start with a browser, you'll notice, okay, it's beautiful, it's more colorful, 
uh, and then you start to use it and you find out, okay, I'd like to be able to do this or that. And most likely there is a way to do that in the browser already. So it can mm. adapt to your requirements as your requirements grow, as you find you want to use the internet more actively. I suppose it must be challenging to kind of compete with the likes of Google where they've got a browser and then they've got apps online and everything kind of ties in and mobile platforms to go with it. So how do you try and cut through that and, and create something that users genuinely do want to engage with? I mean, it's a competitive environment, but it's the environment I know because this is not my first browser. This yeah. is my second browser. I did Opera before and now I'm doing Vivaldi. And so this is kind of the only thing I know is competing with companies that are big, difficult to compete with and don't play fair. Yeah. Uh, so you adapt to that. And, and, and I think the most important thing we do is to look at the requirements of the user. We just put the user first. It's really simple. Whatever you want. That's what we want to give you. A really good browser that does the best for you. Yes. And so we, we, we listen to all our users. We take that feedback. We provide a, a gradually better and better product with a lot of flexibility in how you work with it. Because we're not all the same with how we use tools and, and, and the internet. Yeah. So we just provide the flexibility for you to adapt the browser to your requirement. And people love it. Yeah. So are you speaking today? No, actually, I, I spoke on Tuesday. I was, spoke on Tuesday. I, I, I was in a forum where I was actually talking about social media. And what, what was the main thrust of that forum then? Well, I mean, it was discussing kind of, is it good or bad? And kind of, how can we make sure it is, is a force for good? And uh, I guess my, my comment there was, uh, okay, we need to change some business models here. No, it's, it's interesting. I, that whole piece of, is something good or bad inherently? I don't know, it feels like it's a bit of a tired conversation. Like when people say, oh, AI, is, is AI good or bad? It's, I kind of think machine learning is, is happening. Whether or not you think it's good or bad doesn't really matter. But making sure that it's utilized for good is important. Yeah, it's a, it's a question. I mean, AI is so interesting. There's yeah. so many good things you can make. You, I mean, how you can use it. You can use AI to cure cancer, right? Yeah. Or you can use AI to help us uh, with our driving reduce the amount of deaths in traffic or potentially drive that they can drive the cars can drive themselves right yeah, yeah. there's a lot of things you can use ai for sadly the way it's used quite a lot is just to collect information on us and and find a way to program us yeah and and that's not really what it should be about i mean we should be using ai to learn new things and, and perform uh, operations better it should not be used to analyze us better to find ways to to make us choose ads or products yeah. based on that information. It's just a total waste of an interesting technology. One quick last thing then, obviously we're now towards the end of the summit. Has, have there been any stages or anything that you've seen or any, any small businesses that you hadn't heard of before that have really caught your eye? I mean, to be frank, I haven't seen a lot, but yeah. I, I think I saw the most important one, which is Tim Berners-Lee. Right. Uh, the inventor of the internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he speaks, listen, normally what he says is, uh, is it's just, there's a voice there. He knows what he's talking about. And I, I, he is seeing what a lot of us are seeing that are on the internet. There is a problem here. It needs to be resolved. And we need, personally, I believe we need regulation. I think the efforts that he's putting in where the, the tech companies come together with a, a, a contract on how yep. we behave on the internet. I think that's a really good thing. But I also think that we need regulation to say, okay, the collection of information that's happening today by a number of companies, in particular Google and Facebook, needs to be stopped. Uh, and the level uh, of information that made, uh, that's then made available as a programmatical interface to us as people, to yes. influencers, to have opinions or buy products in the way that is happening today, that needs to be stopped. Well, look, 
I really appreciate you spending a few minutes to have a chat. Uh, it would be great to catch up with you uh, and, and, and have a longer chat on the podcast at some point in the future. But apart from that, enjoy the, what remains of Web Summit. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you. So I'm, I'm sitting with Chi. You are uh, part of the Shadow Cabinet. You're, you're the Central Newcastle Labour MP. That's right, yes. And I'm the Shadow Minister for Industrial Strategy, Science and Innovation. So a wonderful place for you to be. <laughs> How are you enjoying Web Summit? Um, Web Summit is really, um, it's really inspiring. I'm a chartered engineer. I've worked in technology for 20 years before coming yes. into politics. So it is actually, I, I miss technology. It, we don't get so many detailed techie conversations in parliament. So it's great. I love being surrounded by engineers. I also think it's like, it's very, um, it shows, it's really sort of concrete show, you know, that uh, technology is so much, so big a part of everyone's lives, you mm. know. Um, all the all the companies here, car companies, tech companies, you know, um, all the different, all the countries exhibiting here. But I, what I think is missing, actually, what what saddens me is, is that there doesn't seem to be really the citizen voice. I mean, obviously, I'm here. I'm a politician. There's a few politicians. But what about the consumer voice, the citizen voice, the third sector voice? You know, that's not really uh, represented so much here, and it should be because tech. I mean. Technology is everywhere and it's part of everything. It's part of people's future. And citizens and, and consumers are going to be vital in making sure that tech is regulated. How, how, can, how can, I suppose, politics encourage people to, to have a better understanding of, of technology and understand it from a positive perspective as well, not scaring people? Uh, well, one of the saddest things for me as an engineer is to see how much my constituents now are afraid of technology. All right? I mean, I went into technology because it's supposed to make the world, I wanted to make the world a better place. My constituents think that it's like it's listening to them, it's following them around, it's too expensive, it's too difficult to understand, it's being used to surveillance. Which isn't, which isn't helped by mainstream press. Doesn't help. It isn't helped by the mainstream press, and it's also not being helped by a, by a government that has uh, cut funding mm. uh, for, say, further education, etc., but made it a requirement that you are that you sign on online, for example. Yeah, yeah. So the most vulnerable people are required to be digital literate to get their benefits, and yet there's no support for them, and that is a really an issue. But I think it's also an issue for the tech companies because I, you know. I think tech has been very arrogant for far too long uh, and now that um, it hasn't listened or wanted to engage with a, either a sense of ethical of ethical and responsible behaviour or with the, the citizens and, and consumers and there's always been a kind of a sort of extreme that sort of thinks, you know, whatever the problem, um, you know, a dual core processor will solve it or now it's blockchain going to solve everything. Actually, you know, Consumers and citizens need to be part of the design and development process. Mm. Um, and um, in terms of them encouraging um, government to regulate, um, you know, that's in some ways, that government is there to, the first duty of government is to protect its citizens. Yeah, yeah. And you know, they, it's, it's up to government to look, to have a forward looking approach to how technology is going to evolve. Which you know, it uh, literally is not rocket science. I mean, obviously you can't say what it's going to be doing in ten years, but you can get an idea of what some of the key themes are for five years, and then make a, a coherent regulatory framework which encourages innovation but protects citizens. And for example, in data, you know, in data, big data has been a thing for you know close on to ten years now, mm. and we have got no coherent regulation for it. And for it sharing it so that's the message i'm bringing here very very quick one one 
one other point. Uh, obviously, you're from the northeast. I'm also from the northeast. I'm from Newcastle, mm -hmm. um, and I'm passionate about the northeast, yeah. despite the fact that I've spent my entire adult life <laughs> in London. But I did. I I felt that I had to make that choice because, unfortunately, I just didn't think there were the jobs to support the kind of career that I wanted back home when I was 21, 22 years old. Now, I've seen that there seems to be a little bit of a start of a, of a, of a bubbling of a startup scene in Newcastle. But yeah. what, what can be done to help the region have an identity around tech? Because I don't think it's enough just to say, we're going to be a tech hub, because I can't see how it can compete with London, but what, what, what could be its niche? Well, so, I mean, I uh, became an engineer because the Northeast, you know, champions and has a great history of industry and engineering. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I never worked in Newcastle or the Northeast because there were no jobs. Yeah. So, basically, I worked all over the world. And I think um, what, you know, there's, there are great startups and great um, in, in the Northeast of Newcastle, in particular strengths around um, um, healthy aging and living, yeah, um, tech, tech for healthy aging and living. Uh, data, uh, business processes, and also um, video gaming. Yeah, we have we have big companies and a lot of startups. But I think there's two or three things missing. One is access to finance, right? And there's no there's very little private sector finance. There's some uh, European Union finance, and so government has a role to play in in enabling easy access to finance. Labour have promised a 250 billion pound national investment bank which will be made up of regional investment banks so you get regional decision making because that with the with the restructuring of the banking sector all the decision making moved to, to London and now we're going to change that we've also got to get the investment in skills mm. uh, and um, again we, we Labour's promising a national education service which will make you know but abolition of tuition fees is just one part of that but we've also got to get I mean it's noticeable here that whereas um, the um, the little the booths for the startups mark clearly where they're from, where they're from, yes. like the city, which is great. Um, unfortunately, the, um, the the UK booth is just about London. Yeah. Really, it just has it has a UK. It doesn't even have it. The, the German booth, interestingly, has a map of Germany with all the different centres there. So what we need, to, what we have to have, is our Department of International Trade, our um, and also. Tech City, which I think has rebranded itself as Tech Nation, but it's still Tech City, basically. You know, um, we've got, to, we've got, they've got to, you know, recognise the regions, championing them, and get out to them. And I always ask, you know, what are you, what are you, to all government and Whitehall organisations, what are you doing in the regions? And often it's a very patronising, condescending, and limited response that I get, and that's also what needs to change. Just lastly, then, are there any uh, startups or tech businesses that are northeast based? that you would say, if someone was going to have a look at some of the great stuff that's going on in the region, they're companies that people should have a look at and check out. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of, um, we've got a great um, hub um, in the, um, in, so actually here I've just, I've just been meeting with some from Newcastle called uh, Nebula Systems. Um, we've got um, a great uh, startup called um, Orange Bus. Right. Yeah. Um, which is we've got another startup. Sorry, now looking at um, healthy uh, living. There, there, you know, just there's a the, the, there's a lot of startups around the. In fact, it's part of um, Oculus um, came out of the northeast as well. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, so there's, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot um, of 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 you know across the northeast and across across the northeast, including Teesside and 
in Sunderland and Software City, of course. And something else to check out is the Centre for Digital Ethics at Newcastle University, which is looking at, uh, uh, at sort of digital citizenship as well. So getting that um, you know, technology for people rather than people for technology. Well, look, I really appreciate you giving up a few minutes to talk to me. Oh, that's uh, great. And thanks very much for the opportunity. Enjoy the rest of Web Summit, what remains I'll, of it. <laughs> I will. So I'm sitting with uh, Rodrigo, who is chatting to me from, from make sure I pronounce this right, right Love Hotels. Yes. Uh, but also your colleague is, is with us as well, Tamara. Yes. So there's, there's two of you, but I can, I can only give the mic to one of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what is Love Hotels? Uh, Love Hotels is a... It's the first booking platform only to live hotels. Now, I have to be perfectly honest. Yes. I was wholly ignorant of Love Hotels. Yeah. Coming from the UK, um, and I know Tamara, who's sitting to my left, you said coming from, from, from Switzerland, we're fairly privileged. We live at home, but we have our own bedrooms, and, and at age 18, we go and we get our own place. But I guess in some parts of the world, that does, that, that's not the norm. No. In, uh... Brazil, for example, it's very common for people to live with their parents until they get married. So they live with their parents until uh, under the mid twenties or the late twenties. Yeah. So, uh, so if you go out, if you met someone in a bar and have a date, you don't want to bring them to your parents' house. Yeah. It's not a very good thing. So that's one of the main reasons that there have been uh, five thousand love hotels in the country. So it's uh, it's, it's kind of a hotel when you, where you can book by the hour yep. or by some lots of hours, two, three, four hours, it depends on the hotel. And and there are rooms made for sex, let's say. So yeah. have a mirror in the roof, have a pool inside, that you can spend only a few hours, oh, or even the whole night, which are dates, that you can enjoy a few moments of happiness, let's say. And I suppose there's, there's, a, there's an education piece around perception here, because yeah. as soon as we start talking about sex and business, people immediately think, oh, it must be quite seedy, but actually, all you're doing is helping in that industry is helping to facilitate what people in the West, I guess, um, just take for, for granted. <laughs> yes, and uh, as I was, uh, I was saying to you before, uh, almost eighty-five percent of all the Brazilians have been to a motel before. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a normal thing for us. Yeah. If you go to a motel since you're eighteen, when, when you're eighteen, you can go to a nightclub, you can drink at a bar, and also you can go to a, to a love hotel. You can only go if you have to show your ID that prove that you're 18. So it's a one good thing that you can do. Yeah. So it's a very normal thing for them. And uh, it's impossible to book a room. I have to go there to knock on the door to get a room. Yeah, and that's where the tech element comes in. Right? Yes. Because initially I was like, well, hang on, where, this is a tech conference. Where does tech facilitate? Where does it make the experience better? You know, I, I think it's, it's not a very good thing. You go, let's uh, say, uh, to your date to a hotel you are in your car or your own food and have, have to speak with the employee hotel to find a room and, 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 and he can say no it's fully booked have to go to the next one so you go to your car again go to the next one and now it's a book or there will only the most expensive suite that you don't want to pay yeah. so that's kind of uh, a mood breaker yes. right so uh, it doesn't make any sense in, in the era of a smartphone that you can meet someone using a smartphone you can uh, move, use Uber, use your smartphone, but you cannot go to a love hotel, to a hotel using a smartphone. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. So that's why the tech comes in. Uh, with love hotels, you can use your smartphone to, uh, to search for a room uh, uh, with a lot of filters, like 
uh, all the, the elements of the room or all the how, how much the room costs. And, and when you go there, your, your room is paid and it's waiting for you. Okay. So you don't have to wait uh, only a couple seconds to actually to get in. You have to, to speak to anyone that, that very awkward moment to speak with someone when you're very in the hush only to have a, you know, a few moments of privacy. <laughs> so look, um, you were exhibiting yesterday. Yeah, uh, just attending Dave Foresta, yes. Um, what, what, what have you taken away from this particular conference? You know, uh, the, I think the most important for me in the Web Summit is not investors, it's just to, to meet people. Yep. You, you meet people from all over the world to, to uh, uh, for uh, many backgrounds. We met people from, from India, from, from Japan, from Mexico, from the US, and they, 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 uh, they also uh, they said something, they, they offered some tips. Oh, I think you should go there, you should do this. And they asked us what we do. And uh, I think uh, the meeting, the chance of meeting people, meeting people from many backgrounds, that's the most important thing for me. Cool. And you're here. When? When do you? When you're actually based in Portugal, aren't you? So. Uh, yeah. Actually, the company is based in Portugal. I wasn't even in Portugal until the first semester, so I, I had to move to Brazil. Yeah. Our business is there, so we have a team now of four people there, and uh, two people here and one guy in uh, France. That's our team. And uh, yeah, sorry. Well, look, I, I mean, I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. It's the last day, so I suppose yeah, it's trying to catch the last, yeah. the last few moments with, with any stands or any people that you want to you, you meet. But um, really, I, I appreciate you taking uh, some time to, to chat to us and, and explain a little bit about the business. Okay. Thank you very Thank much, you. Dave. Thank you.